morning. Ain't it a great morning? Welcome to our party. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting Weekly Garden Program we call the Gestalt Gardener. I'm your host, horticulturist Belda Rushing. Our producer is the awesome Java Chapman. We're going to have fun for the next hour or so talking about gardening. Coming up in today's last garden party of July, I'm going to give you a heads up on some things you can be doing this somewhat miserable southern summer weather and share a few interesting emails. But we're live here. We are live, folks. So in addition to my personally selected cheesy music coming up in a few minutes, we're going to be talking with you in real time about what's going on or not in your own summer garden. Again, it's the live program, folks. So sit back and join us. As we taking a few minutes of news before starting this informal party we call the Gestalt Garden here on MPB. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Whole lot of experience with radio training and all like that. So you know, I fake it every week. I don't know how you professionals keep it going all the time. Well, we just make do with what we got. <laughs> Same way we got, we got, we have you on the phone, so we gonna make do with it. <laughs> there you go. That's all right. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying um, a little bit of cooler weather where I am right now. We'll talk about that some other time. But the main thing is right now we're going to be talking live about gardening in Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee, Arkansas, anywhere if you're in the South and listening. Uh, Java, I, every now and then I get emails from people who say they didn't catch what I say, and I'm wondering, do I talk to, uh, do, do I feel like I've got to fill up all the air? Do radio people feel like they've got to fill up space by talking too fast or something? Well, I guess we try to get our point across and give as much information in a condensed amount of time. So we yeah, may I, you, you may stumble over your words sometime, Felder. Well, I, I do that. I do that anyway. Heck, I, I, I stumble over everything. But anyway, anytime people uh, uh, hear something I recommend on the radio or a suggestion I give or something, if you didn't catch it, send me an email. I'm caught up on the emails. As best I know, I'm caught up on my emails now. Uh, and sometimes it takes me a few days to get to all of them because I get sometimes 150 more a day from all the stuff that I do around the, you know, just other other than the radio. I get a lot of emails. But um, if you want to shoot me an email anytime, it's real simple. Uh, I get it forwarded just as soon as it comes into the MPB. It's called garden at mpbonline.org. I get emails uh, a lot. And so uh, if there's something I can help you with or you don't, you need more information or maybe I need to look something up or ask, some, you know, do some research or maybe get a little bit more in-depth, uh, shoot me an email. I'll be real glad to do that. It's, it's uh, something that I, I do as part of this program. Uh, I did get several emails this week, and I'd like to, to share a few, but uh, let me throw out a couple of things first. As hot as it is, even with occasional uh, thunderstorms and all like that, plants can suffer. And it's not so much because it's hot and dry, which it is, uh, but also we got way too much rain this past spring. Plants in the ground, uh, shrubs and ground covers and trees, because we have so much rain, a lot of times their roots end up being very shallow, uh, unless you're blessed with really good, well-drained, loamy type of soil. If you've got clay soil, heavy soil, roots are going to be real shallow. 
And when we get a lot of rain, that makes the new roots grow even more shallow. So when it when the taps turn off and it starts getting dry, the plants suddenly don't have deep roots to pull from to help them through dry times. So sometimes you do need to water plants, uh, you know, especially fibrous fruity things like azaleas and uh, some perennials and things. Uh, however, it's a real mistake to water plants all the time. A really good slow deep soaking will help most plants, trees and shrubs, maybe once a month. Perennials every couple of weeks or so. Annuals, uh, vegetables, herbs, things like that, once or maybe twice a week. Potted plants a little bit more often. Here's a trick that I use, though, to help plants uh, get more out of what watering you get or what rain we get. It's always good to water plants twice. If we get a good rain, believe it or not, go out a little while later, water your plants. This pushes that good rain down deeper. Uh, if you water with a hose or an irrigation system, water twice. Uh, give them an hour or so in between so that first one sort of sets up the soil and it swells up a little bit. second one pushes it way on down deep. This is especially true with flower beds, vegetables, and particularly container plants, raised beds, containers, hanging baskets, things that dry out more quickly. If you water twice, a few minutes apart, you can sometimes go twice as long before you have to water them again. Main thing is, hot as dry as it is, don't water plants all the time or you can rot their roots. So that's just one of the tips that I use. And also covering the ground with mulch. Even my potted plants have got uh, a thick layer of either gravel, if they're uh, succulents, or bark mulch on top of my pots to keep the sun from wicking that soil dry. So anyway, that's just one of my, instead of dragging a hose all over the garden, I pull my potted plants together into smaller areas. Uh, and to make water easier. And again, I always water twice a few minutes apart. Uh, I think that's a real good tip for this time of the year. Now, if you want to give us a call, it's toll free, 1 877 MPB Ring. It's not a tape program on Fridays, we re broadcast on Saturday. But if there's anything that I can help you with this Friday morning, end of July, give us a call, 1 877 MPB Ring. Got any calls yet, Jonas? I'm Jonas. What you what, what 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 you call me, Felder? I, I said Java. I just said it so fast it sounded like Jonas. Oh, okay, all right. No, we don't have any calls yet, but um, just like you said, you can uh, call us up one eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven uh six seven two seven four six four. And uh, Felder, how you say it's, it's cool because we're sitting at 80, 82 degrees at nine o'clock in the morning over here. <laughs> well, you know, this is uh, I don't want to try to to to, to make a dig or anything like that, but I'm back in England. I come over to England uh, every year, uh, usually in the summertime and often in the wintertime because so much of my my work in in the United States is done with traveling, and most of my lectures, you know, the botanic gardens and the Master Garden, the conferences, flower shows, usually in the fall or the spring. So when it sort of slows down, I ain't hanging around, Jonas. My people have been in the southeastern part of the United States since the 1650s, and we have not gotten used to it. So I'm over in England, and uh, the high this week, the high is going to be 65. It got, got down to 53 last night. So, yeah, that's um, how nice that's that will how nice that will be right now. What do do well, it's nice. You know, it's uh, it's just like springtime here, you know, and there's a lot of challenges. And, uh, you know, one of the things about uh, a lot of people don't realize the, the English gardens are not that – it's not that we're that, – that it's cooler over here that makes plants grow better, but that it cools down at night. 
you know, a lot of plants grow on the West Coast, like San Diego or San Francisco, hot places on the West Coast that get as hot or hotter than we do in Mississippi, but it cools down at night. And that's a big difference on why some plants grow really well in, in Europe and don't grow well in the Southeast or even New England. You know, they grow plants in New England all summer, like pansies. They won't grow for us in the summer because they don't get that break at night. So anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's awful nice weather over here in between the thunderstorms. I've always visited several botanic gardens. Uh, matter of fact, I wrote today's Clarion Ledger column. Uh, if you take the Clarion Ledger, my, my garden column there today is about a stumpery. Uh, Jonas, <laughs> okay, Java. Just send me a slap. Yeah, because I'm. Uh, I'm I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know what's going on with you, man. Well, it's just it, it, it's just so, so used to you know Jonas has always was always he was a producer spent a lot of time over here. So it's just. Let me just call Sir Jay. How about that, JJ? Well, I mean, I, I I say this: if I can get mistaken for uh for some guy, that's a, that's, that's good enough for, than yeah. any. Jonas is a good he's a good dude. Well, well, Java. One of the things I wrote about was called a stumper today. We it, and when we, in between calls, I'll explain what those things are. But we got any callers yet? Yeah, we're going to go ahead and go to um, James in Oxford. He's called in this morning, and he has, a, uh, I think, a question about irrigation. Um, you're online with Felder. Go ahead, James. Hey, James. Good morning. What's up? Hey, uh, I recently learned uh, how to put in a drip irrigation in a flower bed, and, um, and now I'm getting ready to put one in for myself at my own house, and uh, what I'm not clear on is that it says it drips nine-tenths of a gallon per hour. And so I'm not clear on how much water, um, how how long to irrigate. And so you yeah, were just talking about that. It's, it's a real good question. It, can be, it comes with experience because depending on what kind of soil you've got, if you've got a real rich, well-drained, fluffy type of soil, uh, water soaks in deeper, quicker. And if you've got a heavier soil, it takes a little bit longer to soak in. So it's going to just it's really gonna have to uh, just come from experience. Uh, there's no other way around that. Most plants, let's just say they need a good, slow, deep soaking. Uh, uh, drip irrigation isn't used so much, James, to water plants. It's used to keep plants moist. So, you know, when I tell people you don't need to have an irrigation system running three times a week, I mean mm-hmm. pop-up sprinklers, if you've got the, the drip, you know, if you could have it come on for, you know, whatever it takes, an hour, and do it every two or three days or so to keep the ground moist down deep. But the point is to put it down deep and slow and then let the surface dry before you do it again. That's just going to come with experience with your soil. Okay. So when we put it in before, we put it in on the ground, on top of the ground, but covered it with with pine straw. That's fine. That's fine. Or, or, Or bark mulch. All right. So it's on top of it. It doesn't need to be buried. Oh no 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 no! Because it soaks in, and it and it soaks in like a cone. You know, if if you could, uh, you know, if 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 you could, you know, when it goes in, right where it touches the ground, it spreads outward in a cone as it goes down. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so you know, you may need uh, around some plants, you may need to have a, a one of those emitters on each side of it. Okay. You know, if they're, if they're bigger plants or thirsty plants, you could you could stick those little emitters. You just poke them into the the spaghetti tubing wherever you want. And uh, okay. but anyway, that, that it's just because with bigger plants or plants that are real thirsty, you might have to have two emitters, you know, by each one or on each side. It's just going to come with experience. All right. Well, thank you very much. 
not a whole lot of help, but it'll give you at least something to think about. Well, I appreciate okay. that, Herb. All right, appreciate it. Now, let's go down to uh, to Natchez and talk with Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, Welder. Thank you. How are you? Good. I'm fine. What's going on? Well, I've I've got an issue with what has been diagnosed as Virginia buttonweed. And, oh, boy. Uh, and I... I was, uh, we have a Mississippi State um, uh, Ag Center where we are in Natchez, and I took it to him. He told me what it was, and he said, uh, here's a product you can use. And the product that he told me was Celsius, uh, made by Bayer. And I've been using it, and it's good, but it, it doesn't seem to necessarily kill it. And I've been treating my lawn for several years now, and this stuff just keeps coming back and coming back. And I didn't yeah. know if there was another another product other than Celsius because this stuff is, is not cheap stuff. So just want no. to get your, uh, your viewpoint on that. Okay. First of all, a little disclaimer. I don't keep up with all the products that are out there now since, uh, since I retired from the extension service and I am a, right. you know, trained in turf management weeds and, and all that. So usually what I have to do is, is uh, every year or two go to a, a, a typical garden center and see what is available. Cause you know, you, you there may be a better product, but if you can't get it, it doesn't do any good. And right. uh, and I'm I'm not aware of any that are right now you can get that are better than that. Now, okay. So, and not not to say that there aren't. If you'll shoot me an email, I've got a good friend who keeps up with that. He's right on top of it, and uh, and uh, you know I can get you more specific information by email. However, as a general thing, uh, you got St. Augustine or centipede grass. Well, we've got I've got a mix of St. Augustine and Bermuda. Okay, um, right off the bat, the number one, two, and three ways to control Virginia buttonweed have nothing to do with weed killers because you kill those weeds day in and day out. But if you've got a thin turf, more are going right. to come back from seed. See, so um, uh, the first thing is you need to decide which grass you want to go with because mowing high favors St. Augustine, mowing close favors Bermuda grass. You know, yeah, and, and I've been mowing, and I've been mowing high. I'd like to. My problem is um, when we moved into this home, the uh, we didn't we had some bare spots, and so I went out to the country, got some Bermuda grass clippings from the pasture, yeah. threw them out. They and started it, growing, and so anyway, I, I, yeah, yeah. So it anyway, is, I, let the, a, I let the uh, I let the grass okay. grow. So so I'm wanting okay. Saint Augustine to to take over. Okay, let, it, let, it's a let, let's 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 cut to the chase in this because I'm sort of a bottom line guy. Mow high, throw the wrench away, never mow anything other than high for St. Augustine. And sometime in the late spring, April, if you'll use this fertilizer called centipede food, even on St. Augustine, that gives your grass everything it needs for the next spring. Just, you know, one shot of that is plenty. Uh, and then if you could give it a good slow soaking at least once a month, it would go without raining every three or four weeks sort of a, a, a minimum thing for St. Augustine. This will help it get thick. It will make it healthier, denser, and the Virginia buttonweed will have to grow up on top of it where your mower will snatch it out, and a thick grass will, will shade out the seeds, keep it from coming back. You know, th those are the three things. Mow high, fertilize light with good stuff, water at least every three or four uh, weeks. Um, then your grass will be strong enough to withstand the chemotherapy of the herbicide because what will kill buttonweed can kill St. Augustine if you use it too much. So those are yeah. those are real general things, but they but they absolutely work. Great. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate your help. 
Okay, it's a tough one. And keep in mind, the Virginia buttonweed's got kind of a slick leaf, so weed killers tend to beat up and roll off. So that's one of the reasons you're not getting great control. Just don't up the dosage or else you can hurt your grass. All righty, folks, we're going to take a little break. going to come back and talk with Kay in Gulfport and Polly over in Louisiana. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. He's tuned into the Gestalt Gardener. And even though I'm a long ways away, uh, my spirit, my horticulture head, my gardening thumbs, all that kind of stuff is right there in the deep south along the Gulf Coast. So if you got some questions, give us a shout. one mcb ring We'll be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener right after this. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Okie dokie, folks. I've got a couple of other uh, tips and some emails to share with you. But let's go down to Gulfport and see what Kay's doing down on the Gulf Coast. Hey, Kay, good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, Mondo grass. Yeah. I have, I'd like your suggestions on establishing a row of Mondo grass in a container box that I've constructed. Uh-huh. So, so from the choice of soil, compost, uh, organic material, and type of grass for maybe spreading, uh, a spreading kind of Mondo grass. Okay, so but is this for the email that I sent earlier? No. Okay, because cause I, got, I got an almost identical email from somebody. I oh, thought I'd, really? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, first of all, is this sun or shade? Um, a combination, but mostly sun. Okay, mondo grass. There's two kinds of monkey grass, what we call monkey grass. Mondo grass, and I say liriope. Some people say liriope, but it's the bigger stuff. Okay, uh-huh. mondo grass is a small leaf stuff, and it really doesn't like a lot of sunshine. It really does better. It'll take some sun, but it does better in the light shade or the shade. So the little stuff called mondo grass, really not your best choice for, for sun. The bigger okay. stuff called liriope or liriope, there's a clump-forming kind and a spreading kind. And that's the best advice I can give you because the garden centers will either know or they want. But when you buy the spreading kind... It's coming out the holes in the bottom of the pot, and it's solid green. Uh, the clump forming kind is uh, includes a variegated one with the with the sort of the white stripes on it. So anyway, mondo grass will spread. Uh, the the lirio called spicata will spread, but neither one are going to spread this year, Kate. Uh, they tend okay. to put all their growth out. You know, they grow roots and stems this year, and they green up all at once next spring, and that's it until the following spring. So what you plant this year is already going to get this year, be next year before it starts to spread. So how far apart a, a plant, then, would I would you recommend? Well, if you go out to Mondo grass, you know, you when, when you do you have some? You got a neighbor's got some? Are you going to buy it or what? Um, I was thinking of purchasing, although I do have some on the on the property. 
Well, the somewhat, if you if you can dig it up and divide it, or even if it comes in pots, divide them into individual plants, maybe a two or three in a little clump. Uh, the mondegrass, I would put them maybe six or eight inches apart, and they'll sort of fill in next spring. You know, okay. five or six, yeah. five or six, no more than than uh, than seven or eight inches apart, they'll fill in. But again, the mondegrass is, is it stays small, and yeah. next year it'll spread. The next every year it'll just about double. Okay. Uh, are you going to put right. other stuff in there? Uh, you can put flowers or ground covers or any, uh, any, anything else in there? I was trying to keep it to minimal care, so I really didn't think about flowers. It'd probably be nice, but... How big a box? How big a box? It's just about 30 feet long, but only about six inches wide. It, it's just sort of Ooh. a border on my bulkhead, actually, yeah. that I constructed. Oh. Yeah. Um, you know, you might be better off going with this stuff called Lirio for Liriope, the, 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 the bigger monkey grass, because it'll, it'll spread. It makes a nice little clump. If you put those things, uh, oh, uh, even a foot apart, they'll be touching each other next spring, and they are a lot more durable than the Mondo grass. And how tall might they grow? If you plant it, if you pull it out of the pot, loosen up the roots, and plant it level with the, with, with the soil surface, uh, it'll get, oh, six or seven inches or so maybe. If you plant a little bit higher, you know, you can plant uh, liriope. You can actually put it half in and half out of the dirt with mulch piled up to it. It'll make a nice little clump almost a foot tall with pretty spikes of uh, blue flowers in the summertime. Or or, or actually maybe mix some up, you know, put a a few clumps of the big striped stuff here and there and then some of the smaller monograss in between. And then this winter stick to some daffodils. Okay, that sounds wonderful. Shoot me an email. We can get more detail. All right. Enjoy your time over there in England. Thank you. I do appreciate it. Stay safe. Okay. Thank you, ma'am. Now let's go down to uh, Covington, Louisiana. Hey, Polly, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? What can I help you with, or what can you help me with? <laughs> I'm hoping you can help me. Um, I am making a bottle tree. and it's fun, on fun, a- fun. <laughs> it's on a great big pine tree right outside my kitchen window. And my question uh-huh. is, am I hurting it? Am, am I damaging it by putting nails in the trunk? You know, this is, this is a real good question, and a lot of people are going to misunderstand what I'm saying. But the truth is, it won't hurt it, as long as you don't just riddle it with nails. Because what happens okay. when, you, when, you, when, you, when you put a nail into a tree uh, it creates just a little small wound right there that pretty well quickly heals around it. But, um, you know, so, so I wouldn't worry about putting a, a few here and there. Um, okay. Would you, would you, I mean, are you going to, you going to really festoon it with a lot of bottles? Well, <laughs> I have quite a collection, um, but maybe I, I just I, need to uh, gear back a little bit. You know, I, I, I don't know if you're aware, I wrote a whole book on bottle trees and other garden glass, whole book on it. And oh. If you were to go to my, if you were to go to my personal website, I don't sell anything. You can't even buy my books on my website. But if you go to felderrushing dot net, not dot com, but felderrushing dot net, uh-huh. uh, about half halfway down the page, you'll see a thing about bottle trees. You click on that link, and you will see unbelievable number of examples of way people use bottles different ways. You know, you can actually, you know, take a fence post and put big nails in it and. Put it against your your uh, 
your pine right, tree. Right, right. I, I, I tried to do that, but I, I couldn't get any cooperation with people going to, to the big box store and getting me one. So I just decided uh, to use my no, tree. No, 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 not a, not a, a box, a fence post, uh, any, a piece of wood, yeah, anything, it, yeah, a, a, an old crepe myrtle branch. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I went to, you know, like Lowe's or Home Depot, and they have uh-huh. the fence posts, but the shortest one they had was eight feet, and I couldn't handle that. Oh, they got they got round six-footer someplace. Trust me okay. on that. Okay, you know, but, okay. Or, but anyway, go go to fellowrushing.net and uh-huh. scroll down until you see the thing about bottle trees, and you'll see unbelievable number of really fun ideas, you know, okay. that, that you could do with bottles. Right. Well, I just didn't want to hurt that tree um, for more reasons than one. It's huge, and it's right next to my house. So, um, if, you, anyway. if you're going to fill, if you're going to fill it full of holes, I would say, ouch. Okay. Okay. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Well, well, maybe I'm done with it then. <laughs> no, no, no. Shoot me an shoot me an email, and let's take it further from there, and I'll send you some examples, and we'll kick around some ideas. Let's have some fun with this. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you so much. Love your show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh huh. Bye bye. Okay. okay. Uh, Java, do we have time to go to uh, to Madison and talk to Jim? Yeah, that's what we're gonna do right before we get to the um, get to your music selection for the uh, for the hour. Let's go to let me pull them up, and we're gonna go to uh, Jim and Madison. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing great. Thanks. All righty, man. What's up with Ginger Lily? Well, I've got a big one in a huge pot on my patio, and the foliage is just really spectacular, but it's not blooming. Well, if you've got it in a container, it could be any kind of what I call ginger lily because it's a big family. So what, what kind of can you do? What, what kind of is it just the kind of people go in their yards? Well, yeah, you know, I don't really know what species it is. I asked the garden center to uh, give me one that was very fragrant. Yeah, and, uh, well, there, there, yeah, there's just so many ginger lilies, and you know, and I, I wrote a book called, called "Tough Plants for Florida Gardens," and I mean, and I grow five different kinds of gingers myself, and only two of them are hardy in the ground outside. But uh, here's the deal: they, you know, they're, they're the tropical plants. They don't like hot sun, but they like bright, and they like plenty of moisture. It's one of the few plants that you can water a lot. And uh, fertilize at about half strength. So these things just grow under trees in Florida. So if you push them with too much fertilizer, they're going to be all foliage and not flowers. So, so sort of sort of keep them on the lean and mean side. And then a lot of them don't bloom until fall anyway. Even though some are tropical and where they don't have spring, fall, or winter, uh, in Florida, most of them come into bloom in the summer, late summer and fall. Okay. So, well, I've got... Yeah, I've got a semi-sunny spot in my backyard where I could put it in the ground. I think I'll just do that. Well, let's let's find it. You know, if if you if you can send me a, a good clear picture of the leaves of it, you know, I, then I can probably identify what kind it is because we only have two gingers that'll make it over the winter time in the ground in, in Madison. Okay, um, I'll so do you that. Might, I'll you might need to keep it in a pot, but anyway, send, shoot me a, a picture of the of the foliage, and then make sure you don't over fertilize it. Let's see what happens later this summer or fall. Gotcha. I'll send you an email with the photo right away. All right. Appreciate it. Great. Thanks. <laughs> you bet. That was Jim Collin from Madison. We've been top to bottom already. I'm Horticulture Stellar Rushing, and we're going to take a real quick break and listen to some little bit of cheesy music so I can catch my wind and uh, refresh my computer page here. Uh, this is the Gestalt Gardeners, a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be back with more of your phone calls live 
right after this. Are you ready for the summer? You're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Welcome back. The culture is still rushing. It seems like today more than more than usual. I'm telling people send me an email. Send me an email. It's not like I don't know some of the stuff, but sometimes I get stumped or there's just not enough time or need a little bit more information. But this is the only gardening program in the country where you can routinely call and and follow up with emails and and get the emails back. Uh, I I enjoy doing that quite a bit because a lot of times it's a chance for me to learn something too. Now, before we go to our next caller, let me throw this out. Those of you who like to save seeds, maybe you're growing heirloom tomatoes or peppers or you want to save some zinnia seeds, beans, things like that. If you want to save seeds and replant them next year, go ahead and and harvest them early. Let some of the the fruits or the beans or whatever mature and collect your seeds early because uh, it's insurance. Later in the summer, you might get hit by insects or uh, fungus diseases or uh, for whatever reason. Uh, But also, it's just good insurance to save good seeds first. Uh, you don't want to store them in the freezer. Some people talk about putting seeds in the refrigerator, and that's a good idea if you're saving them for two or three or four years. But if you're just saving them from year to year, put them in little uh, paper envelopes or, or you know, something that's that not plastic, something that breathes a little bit, and keep them indoors where it's cool and dry. doesn't have to be the refrigerator and certainly not the freezer. But the uh, main thing is get them soon, let them uh, sort of dry out a little bit, and then save them indoors where it's cool and dry. Now let's go down to Mobile and talk with Mary. Good morning, Mary. How are you this morning? Yes. How? Yeah, we're live. Keep it clean. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, my, yes, I will try to. Um, I won't talk dirt. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> let's see. Oh, <laughs> I, my oh question please. Is, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my question is, uh, my. you know, of course, my... Um, spring summer garden is pretty much played out and uh-huh. I, so I wanted to do a fall garden really for the first time so my yeah. question is um, someone was telling me that you can actually 
put things in right now, it just seems on, and I'm in Mobile, Alabama, yeah. so it just seems like it's so hot. Um, when do you actually start like a fall garden and, you know, what is good to put in my area? Yeah, and, you know, you, you're talking about like vegetables or flowers yeah. here or what? I'm talking yeah. about vegetables. Uh, here's the deal. We it, Throughout most of the Gulf South, all the way up in Tennessee, we actually have time for two complete back-to-back summer gardens, whereas up north they have to wait till May to plant. They have to harvest before October. Uh, the, the challenge is here in the spring it's usually too cool to plant, and then it gets really hot on some of these vegetables that like a cooler climate, or else when you're starting them now, it's hot, it's dry. But the main thing right. is you want to get the seeds or the plants in the ground early enough so they have time to mature and harvest before frost, which you may not get in Mobile. Um, so sometime in August is, is uh, the end of the recommended time for planting summer stuff. If you work right. the dirt up ahead of time and uh, make sure it's moist and plant the seeds and then cover them with mulch, that mulch will keep the ground cool and moist and the seeds will come up quicker. And then you may have to give them a little bit more water than you would a spring garden. But uh, as, a, as, they, as they grow, the, the days are getting shorter, the nights are getting cooler, and they'll actually produce better. I grow better peppers in the fall from plants set out in the summer than I do in the summer from plants set out in the spring. Okay, so peppers are one thing. What else? I mean, can you do beets right now? Any, or? Any, any, anything. You know, other, the, 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 the challenge is, you know, once you, as long as there's plenty of time to harvest, and we got plenty of time for this, the challenge is keeping the seeds moist until they sprout and get the plants up and growing without either letting them get too dry or without keeping them too wet. The other challenge is okay. we tend to have more problems with insects later in the summer. For So things like corn or beans or something like that, you may have more problems with the insects just because they build up more in the summertime. So you might want to okay. keep a closer eye on that. Okay, great. Now, well, you, I you're sure probably not going to you know, you, if you're going to grow things like peppers and all, you're probably not going to find peppers this late in the garden centers. You might, but most of the time yeah. they sell out by the by the, the first part of exactly. July. So you may want to start some from seed or else just see if you can find some nice small plants. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I appreciate your okay. time. And by the way, I'm giving a program at the end of September at the Botanic Garden uh, talking about growing uh, practical, fun culinary herbs. So uh, I'll give more information about that later. Hope to see you there. All righty. Uh, Jonas, we let's uh, we slide up to uh, Ridgeland now and talk to Gabe. Hey, Gabe, thanks for calling. Hello, I'm not sure what's going on here. Sorry about that, Felder. This is oh, um, a little slip, but uh, Gabe, go ahead. You're on the line with Felder. Hey, hey what? Hey. Gabe, let it be known that I'm not the only one who pushes bad buttons. <laughs> <laughs> what's oh, up, man? man. Yeah, my father of three, and I am uh, educated daily by my, uh, by my children in the National Roman Technology. Wait, wait, wait. Hey. I, didn't, I, didn't hear, I didn't hear all that. What was that again? I said, I, I, said, I am a father of three, and I am educated yeah. daily in the wonderful world of technology by my children. Thank you. Yep. They're, they're born right, in this country. We're immigrants. <laughs> right. We mentioned uh, two things earlier in the program that I wanted to ask you about. Um, well, I wanted to connect and ask you a question about. Number one, of course, that you're a, a turf management expert, but also that yeah. you're on the Gulf Coast. I'm assuming that you're a Saints fan. The, the, assuming that I'm a what man? That you're a Saints fan. Saints fan. Well, you know, I'm 
uh, I, I've always been, you know, we've always been a uh, fan of the Aints. I was raised with the Saints. Okay, well, I wanted to ask um, before there was AstroTurf, how did they manage the turf in indoor stadiums, or did indoor stadiums come about as a result of the invention of AstroTurf? And the second half of my question is, what about the stadiums up north where it's extremely cold? How do they keep that grass alive? And I'm going to hang up so my nine-year-old daughter can hear you respond on the radio. Okay. All right. Uh, First of all, that's a really good question. And I remember when AstroTurf first came out, um, and the indoor stadiums really didn't have grass. They, They would have to bring in sod, live sod. Uh, before every couple of three games, they would have to resod it. And I don't know that we had indoor uh, turf. Be, I, I just don't know. That's a really good question. I'll be glad to find out. Uh, up north, they it, where they don't use artificial turf, they resod all the time. They have to bring stuff up, but it, it's just not easy. Most of the time, it's going to be artificial turf. Uh, some of the stadiums they can open it up, you know, but it's just not practical. Um, as far as the artificial turf, this is what really would surprise a lot of people, but many English gardens, and I'm somewhat of, a, I guess, an authority on English gardens. I've been gardening here for off and on for eight years or more. There's a lot of great English gardens and West Coast gardens that are artificial turf. The artificial turf that they sell now is so much better than astral turf. That weird-looking green is kind of plastic-feeling. The artificial turf now comes in six or more different colors, different varieties. They even have brown, uh, artificial brown stuff woven in to look like thatch so it has more natural feeling. I often have to stop and look twice to see is it real or is it artificial. In cooler climates, they grow a different kind of grass, Bermuda grass, fescues, bent grass, things like that, that are mowed really, really close. Down south is Bermuda grass, St. Augustine centipede. Uh, and the only real good athletic turf for down south is going to be the Bermuda grass, cut really close, so it can. Uh, and they have to fertilize it and water it and repair it all the time. A lot of times they actually uh, uh, replant uh, during the season. So anyway, good question. I'm gonna stumble around, but uh, I'm gonna do a little research on this and see if I can come up with the colors of the clarion lizard about that. So we'll take it from there. Let me see here. We've got next is um, Barbara and Picayune. Hey, Barbara. Good morning. Well, good morning. While I'm listening, I've got about a million other things to say. But (laughs) anyway, uh, regarding bottle trees, what I do, and somebody might find interesting, is I have some bald cypress and some other woody things. And when I cut the lower branches off, I I leave enough spike to put a bottle on it. Yeah, this, this, that's a perfect thing, you know, and, and so many people don't realize also that you could take one of my favorite bottle trees, and I've got 10 in my garden, no two alike, is I take uh, two or three crepe myrtle trunks, you know, when people cut the crepe, and I wire them together, yeah. and together they make a really pretty tree with nice size uh, stubs to put the, the bottles on. Yeah, so I've done that idea. too. So anyway, um, the other thing is you said there are no seasons in the tropics. I beg to differ. I lived there well, 35 years, and there okay, are definite it's, seasons. There's, for yeah, flowering plants dry. and everything else, so a bougainvillea well, yeah. predominantly, and the and the low light uh, plants in the fall, the poinsettias, and 
Um, the well, well when, I, when I say the tropics, I should have said the equator because I've spent several, uh, I've made quite a few trips to the equator. Okay. And it's, it's not unusual to see a tree, let's say a, a, a sweet gum tree from North America uh, in Ecuador or on the equator. It'll have new growth, fall colors, flowers, and those little seed balls all at the same time because it's so confused. But you're right. In the tropics, they do have seeds that they're just long and slow. They're not as dramatic. And sometimes the seasons are wet season and dry season. Right, exactly. Okay. Those were two of my comments anyway for now. Uh, See you next week maybe. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, she's right. There are seasons in the tropics. They're slow, and you have, really have to pay attention. But there's nothing like seeing a Christmas tree that's a, a Norfolk Island pine decorated like a Christmas tree uh, in, uh, in Ghana, uh, West Africa, where regular pine trees just don't grow that well. Anyway, let's take a break. I've uh, got a few more uh, folks to talk to. It's toll-free, mpb ring If you have questions during the week or you want to talk about things or have me add stuff to it, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. I'm a horticulture spelled Russian, not a know-it-all, but I don't sell anything, and I know how to say I don't know. But we'll be right back with more of this garden party here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, folks, welcome back. Just got an email for a fellow who wants to know if I can ID a fly from a picture. It's a pretty good picture, and it's some kind of fruit fly, but uh, I can't I, I can't tell the difference between uh, this fruit fly, that fruit fly, the two-spotter fruit fly. But I do have some folks who can help. So anyway, it's definitely a fruit fly, and I'll, I'll send an email back about that. Keep in mind, if I don't know something, I try to find out. Got a lot of folks who know a whole lot more than I do about things like that. I mentioned I'm going to be giving a presentation uh, this fall in Mobile. It's going to be September 30th. It's going to be at the Mobile Botanical Garden, and uh, going to be talking about herbs. And I mean practical stuff. If you're a herb expert, I'm going to cover some stuff you might find interesting. But if you're not, just interesting and dabbling around. That's what I do. I spend a lot of time giving presentations around the uh, around the South. Uh, garden clubs, master gardeners, library groups love doing that kind of stuff. Uh, so, anytime I can help uh, somebody with a presentation, just shoot me an email: garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, now let's go down. To, let's go up to Bolivar, Tennessee. Good morning. How are you this morning, Barb? Uh, excuse me. Who is this from Bolivar, Tennessee? Jeremiah. Oh, Jeremiah, what's up, man? Yeah, good morning. Love your show. Enjoy it. Thanks. Thanks. Yes. Appreciate it. What's... I have what? a crate myrtle that's trying to bloom. The rest of my crate myrtles have bloomed, but this one has some black 
dirty looking stuff on the leaves. And I'm yeah, thinking that's what's keeping it from growing because the other cray myrtles look shiny and black. The leaves. Yeah. Yeah, here's uh here's the deal on that. That's that black stuff is called sooty mold. It's like soot that comes out of a chimney. It's called sooty mold. And it's okay. actually growing you know, if, if have you ever stood on a crepe myrtle and noticed how they're always dripping like it's raining, like they're leaking sap? Have you ever noticed that? No, I never noticed that. Well, if you stand up under it, you'll feel this little dripping every now and then. That's believe it or not, that's insect excrement. There's bugs that are sucking sap out of your your, your leaves. And their okay. drippings fall down onto furniture, onto leaves, onto your car, whatever. And it's got dissolved crepe myrtle juice in it, dissolved plant sugar. And this mold grows on that, just like if it were some syrup left on your kitchen counter, it would grow mold. So anyway, uh, it does it does slow the plants down because it shades the leaves. It makes it, that leaf thinks it's in total shade. You okay. can you can wet the, you can wet the tree down if it's not too big with some dish, dish detergent you know, just a regular dish soap, and then after a few minutes, go back and just squirt it off some clear water, and that'll help it flake up and, and uh, fall off. Uh, you could try spraying the whole tree for bugs, but that's a lot of trouble. And, you know, the other thing is just, just sort of go with it. There's not much, you, unless you can kill all the insects on the tree by spraying up into the tree every couple of weeks or so, you're always going to have this. And a little, that's about all we can do about it. It's pretty common. All right, all right, well, we, thanks, and we, again, I enjoyed we, the show. I appreciate it being part of it. Wish I could give you more advice. At least we know what's going on. All right, then. Have a good day. Right. Okie dokie. Then let's slide down to uh, to Adams County in Natchez. Hey, Richard, good morning. Richard, what's up? How? When is it too warm for tomatoes to set fruit? Oh, that's a good question because we have some tomatoes that actually take more heat than others, but the general rule of thumb is when it hits 95 and above and it stays there and it doesn't really cool down much at night. So in general, the upper 90s for several days in a row, the little flowers don't pollinate right and they, they shed or sometimes the small tomatoes will just shed like they've been snipped off. So that's what's going on with mine right now, uh, that the plants are healthy. Can I just hang in there? Is there something I need to do to them to get them to hang over until it gets cooler? Yeah. Well, one thing you can do is, you know how they have those little small plants, the little suckers that grow between the stem and the leaves? You yeah. can root some of those and plant just some more plants because the plants set out this time of year will grow sturdier and stockier, and they'll produce a lot more tomatoes this fall than trying to keep an over and alive for four, five, six months. But anyway, the main thing is try not to push them with too much fertilizer. Don't keep them too wet. And uh, and see. And, and once it starts cooling down, days get shorter, they'll start producing better. I would also plant some new ones if you could. Cool. That's what I need you to know. All righty. Good luck on it. And by the way, Thank it happens you. with beans. It happens with beans and peppers, too. Okay. All righty. Now let's go to Columbus. Hey, Roger. Thank you for calling this morning. What's up? Hello. Hello. Yeah, Roger. What's up, man? Yeah, I have uh, amaryllis that don't bloom very much anymore. There's 60 or 80 in that bed and some foxtail lily and calla lilies. And yeah. I was wondering when I could lift those and if I'd have to replant them this fall or wait till spring. Oh, no, you can replant them. If they're the hardy kind, these are those old red amaryllis, the, the, the real good old-fashioned ones, 
There, well, there are all kinds. There are uh, commercial ones too. They're uh, pinks, reds, whites. <laughs> yeah. So some of the commercial ones are more. If we ever have a normal winter, and uh, Roger, I don't remember when we had a normal winter, but a hard winter can kill some of those real, real fancy kinds. But I would yeah. go in, lift them, and divide them, and uh, you know, you can let them dry out for a few days or a couple or even a month or more. But I go in and replant them this fall, and they'll start growing roots. Uh, in the wintertime, and they actually tend to bloom fairly early in the spring. Right. Some of them's been in so, there for uh, eight or ten years, and I just. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I go ahead sometime this, you know, fairly early in the fall. You know, not too late, and uh, you right. know, just it, just take a second time and dig them up, spread them out, let them dry a few days, maybe trim any leaves off of them, and then replant right. them sometime this fall. And be sure to spread some with some neighbors, because that's a hard plant to come oh, by. I've got plenty. Uh, and then <laughs> calla lilies the same way. Can I dig them up and replant them? Or yeah, you, you're talking about the real callas uh, with the white flowers or the yellow flowers. You know, These are yellow and pink. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, callas, same thing. Callas, uh, okay. typically where we see callas blooming naturally, going to be in kind of low wet areas or along creek banks and stuff. But again, they bloom in the spring, early summer. Calla lilies can bloom all summer if they get enough uh-huh. moisture. They're not okay. like amaryllis, which kind of one shot. Right. And how about foxtail lily? Foxtail lily, that's that's a liber- that's a different kind of plant. Um, and I don't, I've never grown it myself, and I can't remember exactly what it is what what it is that it needs. I don't remember. Yeah. Okay, thank you. But anyway, send me an email because you know it's a plant I'd love love to learn about. It. If it grows hardy for you, I want to give them oh. a try in my garden. Do try them. I've had some in the here for seven or eight years. And well, it might be, it might be, Roger. You might need to share some with me. Well, if I can get a hold of you, <laughs> I don't have email. So. Let's let's get. Oh, you don't. Well, uh, anyway, we we. I I'd like to try some foxtail lilies on your recommendation. Okay. Well, okay. Thank you very thank much. You, man. Enjoy your show. Appreciate it. Thanks for being part of it. I think we got time to talk to John down in Grand Bay. Hey, John. Good morning. Hello. Hello. What can I help you with? Oh yeah, uh, I ended up with some snapdragons. I don't know where they came from, uh, but I got a friend that admired them a whole bunch and wanted to find out when they when I can transplant them. Okay, if they're if they're real snapdragons, snapdragons tend to grow better in the fall and the spring. They grow better over the winter on the Gulf Coast and and in throughout Alabama than they do over the summertime. So if you just keep them alive over the summer, best to transplant them in the late summer or fall because they like cooler weather. Okay. Uh, I I thought they had bulbs. They, they seemed to, uh, no. they, they came out early in the summer. Okay. And they're dying no, no, no. back okay. now. Okay, okay, okay. We're, we're, we're out of time, but, but snapdragons are annual plants. Anyway, I'm sorry we're out of time, but if you could call back next week or send me an email because we're just slap out of time. I'm so sorry. So, folks, that's the way it goes. Gestalt Gardens, production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and uh, my producer, the laid-back uh, Sir Java Chapman. I'm your horticulture. I'm your host. Horticulture's fellow rushy. I know it's hot and humid. I know there's not enough time to get it all done, but if you get a chance in the evening when it's cooler, take a kid to a farmer's market or to a garden center. Show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. I'm going to be broadcasting live from northern England next week, but we're going to be talking about gardening in the south. See you then. 